Thanks for joining me today. I'm Jennifer Stone reporting for the King's Cross Sting. We're exposing a massive amount of crime in King's Cross. Even though the whole country is shut down, the drugs are still flowing. And that's not right because when Nita was working on exposing this back in 1975 and the police have not been able to do it because they keep getting the head of the snake rather than how it works. In the mythology, there is only one heart in the Chinese mythology of the snake that keeps arising out of nothing. So we've got to figure out the heart. In King's Cross, it's all about the heart, the love, the fake love, the fake sex. But all that is shut down now. Even the pubs, no one's going to. But how come massive drug deals are still happening? And that's because of what King's Cross has. It has the heart of the drug operation. Our research started for me in 2009, but before that, I knew about the drug network a little bit through my grandmother had a unit in Oatley that was rented to one of the toe cutter gang. And I can remember staking it out because the police wouldn't and trying to tell the police when this man would come and go because my mother was terrified of this man and wanting him out of the premises. He wasn't paying the bills. And they just couldn't get him. He worked on the fear factor. The fear factor's in your brain. You know, it makes us stop and not touch things when it's when we fear our life. It's our lifesaver. But this is not about saving one life, though Juanita was trying to expose it. And even for me, it's working on exposing this gang that links around the world, all doing murders, all for money, then moving a bit of drugs, paying a cop some blind eye protection money, and you start to think, this is real, this is happening. You know, I didn't think in the beginning it would happen anywhere else, but I went to Hurstville Chinese restaurants, and, yes, protection money was getting asked for there because of the Asian link. And I started to think, you know, we had Hurstville in Roger Rogerson's case, Jamie Gallo, you know, and we had Glenn McNamara's from his barrister, Water Street, that they were going to expose an Asian drug network. But it never happened. The, the court case was stopped. Barrister Water Street was reprimanded and a new court case started. Never once again was this Asian drug network exposed. We go back to 2009. That's when I started my research. But it was the also the same time as Task Force um, back started, Brothel at Cross. And it started to link in to Abe Saffron in 2009 was not exposed. He was dead by then. We had Bill Bayer and Sam Ibrahim caught by Task Force Bats. And then it folded. That was it. We have the John Ibrahim book 
linking into task force backs and to Al Capone. But Al Capone, I linked into the New York drug network. It got me spending my mind working around the world trying to connect the links. But really, this person was called Al Capone by many, and he was living in Sydney, Australia. Anyway, so 2009, we had task force backs. I actually have not touched upon this because I linked back to Strike Force um, Constance that was run by Detective, she was the commander at the time, Deborah Wallace and Belinda Abdi. And then that linked into Strike Force Raptor coming about. So Task Force Bax was above it. Task Force Bax, you know, they did the work for the Woods Royal Commission, but they never brought down the major drug dealer. Even though their research linked into a brothel in King's Cross, they didn't expose it on the Woods Royal Commission. Why? Why wouldn't they have searched this brothel? It got me beat what a building could hold and how could I get into it? Well, it came up for lease. That was the part. Maybe it's the only way I would have worked all this out. So there's no regrets. You know, as Graham told me, it was the best fun he ever had. And I agree for a long time. We saw a side of King's Cross that was fun and frolical and the lights and the characters of the nights that came and then we saw the cops in their suits that stunk of vodka that I couldn't stand or beer. You know, if it was totally beer, I'd nearly heave by the smell of it. So, and it'd give us a tickle about how they turn up so drunk. It, and why were they doing this? But it was all to close a brothel because that was the key. 2009, the brothel got closed. Uh, Rick got raided in Madonna's mob. It was an Asian drug network at the time. It was called Madonna's mob or Gang 5T. Many people say they... They disbanded. This was something that um, Clive Small was working on exposing, linking into Cablamata because the people from Madonna's um, brothel actually came from Cablamata, Rick and Pollyanna. But Rick got caught 2009 and the premises did get searched down the walls. They had cameras but not in one area of the brothel, and that kept them safe. That kept this gang protected. So who got paid off? I have no idea, but someone did, and someone didn't notice this, and all I'm striving for is to expose what the police have not noticed through having a blind eye needs to get exposed now. Where one goes, we all should go. King's Cross was brilliant for a museum ID. We would talk about laughing about the Underbelly series and how it was so wrong in 
It didn't expose the drug network behind it. You know, exposed Tilly Devine as a brothel manager in King's Cross, but who owned the brothel back in the 1920s? And then who was moving the drugs now in 2020? Hang on, this is 100 years. This drug network has never been able to be exposed. The police have just been playing games with all of us. You know, we we catch a drug network and it's massive amount of drugs and we get accolades. But what we haven't done is figured out how many of these thugs actually interlink the spider web, how the rock spiders work and how the spider webs of the drug network. It was a web. But no one was putting it like that. When I went to King's Cross, it was all about Scorpion. Scorpion would open the stores. Well, it did. The Scorpion did on Alex's hand. It did open doors. It opened the door of the brothel. If we were not aware of what was happening, God, we would have got murdered in there, both of us. One, for exposing this gang as much as we had. Two, for calling cops time and time again. And no one, they just told me it was um, play. They're just playing with you. It's nothing. These are our friends. And it was threats to be murdered. I hope as my research is analysed by the police and gone through, that they realise that this gang is very dangerous. And maybe how they have gone about trying to work out this gang is following the drug runners rather than trying to figure out how they were controlled. It's just a different mindset and that's all it takes sometimes to solve a crime. William Terrell is one of those crimes. Juanita Nelson, Donald McKay, Christopher Flannery, the Beaumont children. The list will go on. Harry Floyd. They interlink. They could be from all over Australia, but they will come back King's Cross at the heart of the operation. You know, the brothel I went to on Sunday, it was shut. It was locked up. And the backpackers were shut. Now, that was new. So the whole building from the street level is only open through the Apex Cafe, the hairdresser, the kebab shop and a tobacco shop. The building is empty now above ground level. But this drug network's still working. And these compartments, that I've tried to expose to the police time and time again is the key to the heart of the operation, a heart for love. Fake love, but hey, for the love of the drugs, they were moving. You know the saying, rock and roll? You know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. Well, the rock and roll was right. It was still moving in King's Cross. But anyway, we'll keep working on this. It's not far now. Fourth of July is coming up. And Juanita Nelson went missing on the 4th of July, 1975. 
But where one goes, we all should go. And that's the plan for the Q plus 17 that I've been working on. It's supposed to be the timing of Notre Dame uh, in his quatrains related to his X-74, the dead will rise. Some will rise and be alive and some will be dead. If I'm alive, that will be great. I'll have another adventure to start and another aim to be working on. I know that. I've still got some problems to solve before I die and the spirits have told me that. Anyway, we'll keep working on this. Juanita Nelson's been typing and sending me the, the links from heaven above. You know, most people would not ever think that the spirits could guide one another to a solution. But I tell you what, the wild ride they've had me on is amazing. And I hope that this gang is exposed soon. I pray every day. You know, it's convicted me to go to church more because I'm wanting this gang to be exposed. And if it's the power of prayer is the only weapon I have, then that's what I need to use. And I know that as I keep researching the gangs and how the links come, it's just to a couple of families at the top. And those families have raked in the money. And that's what needs to be exposed. Well, it's time for me to work on the timelines and that will be my next podcast. So thanks for listening today. I'll be working on the research. We've got William Terrell search happening at Heron Creek at the moment and uh, that was under orders by the coroner. There'll be a little bridge there somewhere around Walker's Creek. They'll interlink. You know, maybe there was a suitcase buried there. Maybe not. But we'll see. We hope that the police will find some smell or scent of William and then be able to figure it out that this fits the same pattern as Samantha Knight murder and how her murderer is walking free because there was no body. You know, murder should be a life sentence. You've taken the life of somebody else. I don't mean to fill up our courts and prisons with this, but if the evidence is so great, then we should start looking at how they have been treated, the victims, and is it right to just keep them alive? We should let them have a hot shot of heroin if they want to end their misery because at least the taxpayers have saved some money. Allow them to get out of here, you know, and allow their families to live on. You know, since I've been exposing this, some of the guys that came and threatened my life, they've spent out of the last 11 years, and I've only known them uh, for nine, they've spent seven years in prison. Now, my conviction rate's pretty good. And they all plead not guilty, but they all get done. So that's pretty good too. 
But the theory is if you plead not guilty in court, then when there's something gone wrong within how they present the evidence, then they can take that to court. We need the to the appeals court. We need that changed so that they can still do that even if they plead guilty. But they're working on a chess game. And as the chess pieces move around the court, around the chessboard, is how they move, all protecting the king, the king of the drug network. You know, Bill Bayer was called the king of cocaine. And when I went to King's Cross in 2011, the symbol on the cocaine was the scorpion. And the scorpion is a link to the mafia. But it's taken me a while to work that out. But one particular scorpion is called mafia. Hmm. How much of a coincidence this is. One after another, I started to go, oh, my God, there's another coincidence. I started to talk about these coincidences one after another after another as I started to build the patterns within my mind trying to put some sense to all this. You know, the police couldn't say, hey, we need evidence to do this search. We can't do the search, just walk up and do it. So I had to sort it out about the patterns and all I had were coincidences. But we now have had, through the courts, cases where coincidences have been used time and time again now, since 2009, and the people have been found guilty. So we will keep working on this because all these missing persons have happened for a reason. That reason, I allege, is the drug network. That drug network has a heart. And we expose the heart. Wow. We expose some criminal gang that has been working. One after another as they've died has passed it on father, son, father, son. But for others, they've earned the right to be there through murder. Notre Dame has called this the game of slaughter. You know, it's so sad. Gets exposed near the Rainbow Bridge across the icy swamp. You know, when you think about Sydney Harbour Bridge, it looks like a rainbow. When you think about the icy swamp, well, I thought about the drug ice that was running everywhere in Woolamaloo. But anyway, we'll, we'll welcome this and it's coming. I'll be putting up the timelines on the history for the building and um, making sure we actually are uh, doing the right thing. It's very important that we expose this gang. As my phone is going off, it must be time for me to go. Sometimes it's hard for me to grab a bit of time to talk, but I know in time to come my evidence will be very scrutinised and very much thankful by a community that have lost so many loved ones. Jennifer Stone, reporting for the King's Cross Sting. Thanks for listening. You can join us, if anything, by clicking on the podcast. You can find out more about my books by going to Amazon 
and looking at the series called The King's Cross Sting. Uh, Sting is a police operation. And that's exactly what we've got. Thank you. Uh, good morning. It's Jennifer here from the King's Cross Sting. We're looking back on our research and wondering why this police search warrant we need has not happened. But we know it's the last police search warrant, we were told, back in 2012. So we're not far, I don't believe. Remember, this is eight years on, nearly eight years on from that time. And what the police have missed and why. The police searched this brothel in King's Cross back in 2009. It was still called Strike Force Constance. It had a commander in charge, Deborah Wallace, who became a Strike Force Raptor person in charge, and now she's retired. But it's what they missed in the brothel when they went in. Then we had a detective, Abdi, um, who was in that Strike Force Constance, but a female. And then we have Strike Force Raptor, Abdi, uh, who's, I believe, still there, who has a mindset about fighting. But really, how you pull this gang apart is by going back through the history and figuring out what they could hide, how they could utilise evidence to control drug dealers. And this was where my mind was going. It wasn't until August 2011 that I had a lead about Juanita Nelson by a little old lady who came up and hit my leg with her walking stick and said, Jennifer, you're not doing your research. You haven't touched on Juanita. That's your problem. I said at the time, who's Juanita? Oh, I had I had to tell her. I had no idea. I had been going through the history of, of Hilly Divine. I hadn't really gotten to Ake Saffron, but I had linked these premises to both of them before I went into the premises. So I knew by history that those two who were main people in the underworld or the underbelly of King's Cross, that linked Tilly Devine came from UK. I thought, how could she come and just take over King's Cross? These were the things that would play on my mind. How this gang worked, how when you're looking at the drug dealers on the ground, how they move their points, and as one gets caught, Another will come up and it's like they control positions. You know, I got told about the rebels would come no further than uh, Newtown to come into King's Cross. They weren't crossing boundaries. Then I met Sammy Sweet and he told me he was a rebel. It did not make sense. And these were the questions, the bits of the puzzle that went round and around in my head as I worked every day reading the research, the history on King's Cross 
and trying to figure out how come the police have never been able to bring down the drug network that still exists today. I knew the history linked to Tilly Devine. I knew their history was getting exposed to me through Nellie Cameron. We were talking about the 1920s, but we're now 2020. That's a hundred years. And this gang has never been brought down. This was how I could see it working like an army when one got chopped down in battle and went to prison. Another one would replace it. I had no fear that their mind was not being worried about going to prison. It was about the dollars they get and the free free drugs. I'm thinking, why would anyone want to touch this drug ice for free, let alone pay for it, when the working girls were giving me recipes? And it was not the recipe I was getting, it was the list of ingredients they wanted, particular brand names bought from Coles or Woolworths or IGA and cleaning products. I'm thinking cleaning products like this and you and I couldn't imagine why, you know, and I'd go and buy vinegar and bottles of bleach, no name bleach, and they'd go off their brains at me about they weren't the right label, the right label. Well, this was a chemical reaction they were wanting in the body as they went to the chemist and got their soda drink and the tablets were coming in and Blackjack would pick it up. I started to think this was all systematically put together. It was a puzzle. But looking at it like a puzzle, started to see the people behind and behind and behind. You know, you wonder, the Woods Royal Commission had a lead on this same brothel in King's Cross. And other commissions had looked at Abe Saffron and his books would be kept in the safe at the ANZ Bank, the night safe. This was the same building. Yet the police had never exposed him. They did raid the premises. They caught Rick for his drug dealing commercial supply at the time. He was feeding all the King's Cross by it sounds. He had injections of ice worked out for the working girls and they'd get up and they'd move their drugs and it was earning them big money. And you start to think, but he's in prison, but his partner never did, Pollyanna. Didn't seem she got caught. And then I thought, well, what was it in the premises? They checked the walls at that time, strike force Constance. They caught Rick, so they were in the glamour. They had stars. You know, the police up high would have been going, this is beautiful. And they checked the walls and they found a million dollars in the wall. Some say it was a hundred thousand. But whatever it was, they did find money and the wall was brought down. And the the owner of the premises had left it like that, half fixed, never finished, didn't worry what the police were doing. I started to think about the premises when I opened them up and about 
in one of the rooms had all black plastic everywhere. Thick black plastic on the ground and water. And I'm thinking, why would the water be there? The water was coming from upstairs. This concrete slab is very thin. And I looked at the construction of the building. It didn't make sense. I looked at the showers and they were all okay. Some of the working girls would say, can't use that room, can't use that room. And I found Taylor, who loved Room G. And all the thugs would go to Room F. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, while they sit in the rooms, you can't actually examine the room. You can't think about it. You can go in there and make a bed. You could tidy it up. You could not figure it out. Why would they come in through the front door, threaten to murder me and then want to stay? You know, and if I ran away, what was I going to do? Call the police and say, someone threatened to murder me. Well, guess what? I did do that. And no one listened to me. The copper that came in, he was a constable. He said, Blackjack's my friend. I thought, how can the cops have these friends moving so much ice and GHB and never get exposed? Yet what I missed, the master explained to me, the pain of the, you know, 200 a night for running these drug networks or cops turning up to say, hey, you know, we we caught all this, but, you know, you need to pay us or we're going to expose you. And I started to think that was one way you could manipulate the system. That means there were crooked cops, crooked cops in King's Cross. But I more than thought about this strike force constants and what they missed. It wasn't until about October, September, October 2011, I started to think about this subfloor compartment. Was it possible? Was this an area where the fire exit and the raised five steps and then the further timber steps into the bathrooms, was it possible to get into this area? You know, during the day, I'd look around and pull out cupboards and people would say, why are you looking in the cupboard? I'll put back all the sheets. I'll fold it all nice and neat. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? Why would you volunteer to do this? And then it started me thinking. Where I was searching was to find an entrance into this area. But what I wasn't looking for is something that was so open and so in your face that I should have seen it. They were the timber stairs I'd walk up. And in my high heels, I'd hear that the tiles in this hallway was hollow underneath. I sent my information into the police once I realised. It was enough to open the Juanita Nelson murder, but only just. Chief Inspector uh, Ian MacDonald, he closed it down. He wasn't going to open it. He said, I didn't have enough information. And I said, no, no, no. you got to look in this premises for Juanita. She's there. At the time, I thought her whole body would be there. 
I had a psychic helping me. He's a gothic tarot reader, Mr. Barry Tarot. And he told me Juanita's there and she tells me that Chris is beside her. Well, the only Chris I could come up with was Christopher Flannery. The other link I was told was she was above a bank or on a bank. Well, these premises in King's Cross are a bank. When Juanita went missing in 1975, it was the ANZ Bank. There had been investigations into the drug network and how they were clearing funds and then linking to Swiss bank accounts. It was never fully exposed because the money just vanished or the government here in New South Wales couldn't get the funds when they were overseas. It started me to think that this was such a clever system. Juanita was working on this. What had she found? She went to the carousel club. But Abe Saffron, he wasn't going in and out. He may have turned up there and I know his girls at Lay Girls would get their heroin if they wanted it. So you start to think, well, Abe Saffron used to walk along the strip in King's Cross like he owned the joint. Some say he's the self-made king of the cross. He was doing the same, but now he's gone. You might see him in a back alley running during the day or coming out of a club where no one else is. You know, King's Cross is dead all because of this drug network. It's the drug network that has killed the area, the criminal element where people fear to go. Well, if I walked into a club in there, I'm sure, like Juanita, I wouldn't walk out. It was something that I was confronted with very early on and I realised I did walk out and maybe I was protected. And the only way to expose them is to keep going. I do value life. I value all those lost souls that have been caught by this gang that go missing. And I wish the police could see what I've seen. You know, when I've been able to tell them about the drug dealers, and then I've thought, how did that guy get so big? And how did he get so protected? You know, there was Mr. Red Shoes down in Woolloomooloo, and his terrace was on an area where you had to walk past. There was no police cars walking past. So the police never walked to that little bit. So they didn't see. It's such a shame. I had to complain to the police time and time again because the ice was wheeling everywhere from Woolloomooloo, Kings Cross, Surrey Hills. It was a system. They were doing a route. You know, from one house to another, one street corner to another, it was timed. People knew when they were coming. Two hits a day, they'd know where to go if they had the money. If they didn't, they know where to go with their card. Like the master used to pick up the cards for the unemployment or the pensions that get paid into. 
and then be asking them to deal with it. This was how the system, how you move up. It's a pyramid sales system. And you think that the police would have been able to stop this, but they'd bring down one drug network and another. I'm sure Juanita would have seen this back in the 1970s. Pop was getting smoked everywhere back then. And it was pretty cool. Anita calls the area, you know, like the fairy lights and the nightlife she liked. But this gang's killed that. They killed it all for the money. I haven't worked out that this controlling of the drug network, how they do it, is so bad. Others can see it and they fear that they will get murdered. When you're having bikies go missing and the government puts up reward money, hang on a minute, there is something wrong with our society when they fit a pattern. And the pattern links to crimes within the Bible coming alive. That's satanic cults, mullich worshipping. You know, the cow, Listening, a father hears his children scream. That was Luna Park on the ghost train fire. And that was also a link to the investigation into Abe Saffron that Parliament of New South Wales did. Why didn't the Federal Parliament ever pick it all up? They were questions that I would wonder. It wasn't just the crime in New South Wales. King's Cross was linking to Melbourne and South Australia by my research. It linked to the Golden Triangle. It linked to the Irving Trust over in America. And I started to think by the investigation, you know, the police had looked at each little bit of the puzzle separately and never thought that this was a web from one connection to another. Some of the information on the internet has vis- has vanished that I lo- used and looked at and tried to learn about. You know, Underbelly was a story. It was just a story, just like the Bible. It's just a good book. And when you look at it in a different way, you start to see things where others don't. Many think I'm crazy, but I'm not. I'm just trying to bring the skull to raise to the surface, to free Juanita, to expose a drug network in King's Cross that still works today. You know, I was asked by the police, what could I say to them in 30 seconds that would make a difference? And how that was the key to how they protected them? Well, it's quite easy. There's no reward money to bring down a mafia. No reward money to bring down a drug network, though they say, you know, um, expose a drug drug runner and tell the cops. They have days about it. But do they ever really catch it? They catch that person. They might catch that next supplier, but it doesn't stop it. It just gets another one there. Then I started to realise Many of the drug couriers would get picked up on their third delivery. If they did something wrong on their first delivery, they'd get picked up on the second. If 
they exposed this gang. They knew that had set them up to do the pickups overseas or to bring back the drugs, that their families would be in danger. And that is something where I have thought about safety. Anyway, thanks for listening. We will get back to working on the timelines coming up and trying to expose what the police have not been able to expose to the public. We're whistleblowing big time. But maybe it's time that this gang be stopped so King's Cross can become a place where people can go, have a coffee, enjoy the pasta, enjoy just having lunch where history is surrounding you and you fall in love with the city like I did. I'm sure Juanita loves the city just as much as I do. But we don't need this drug network. I know that. So how about we call for legalising of cannabis? You know, when our medicines had heroin and cocaine and cannabis in, we had less cancer in our society. And maybe it's time we started using these old products and see what research it can do to help heal our DNA. Thanks for listening. Jennifer Stone reporting for the King's Cross Sting.